Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you are walking strongly with the Lord and get caught in the crossfire of sins of others, it can be very confusing. It happened to the prophet Habakkuk, to Jesus, to the apostles, and yes, friend, it may even happen to you. During these times, many people will flock to church but leave when things settle down. But the spiritually strong stay close to Jesus because close to Him is all they know and how they live. To learn the importance of living this way, let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message from Habakkuk chapter three, Something No One Can Take From You. When the COVID-19 virus hit and all the churches went online, people were watching online and a lot of people saw tremendous decreases as people began to feel a little bit more comfortable with what was going on. Because once it passed in a particular area, and it's not over by any stretch of the imagination, and whatever the thing was, once it passed, stock market crashes, all kinds of things like that. In other words, once God showed mercy, which people asked for, most people go back to life as usual until the next crisis. Yet, friends, it's important we realize that these intense times of difficulty are meant to help us see our need for God, and it makes us almost, if you will, like a superhero with acute hearing. We're now able to really hear the Lord speak to us as his desire is that we would hear him. So what we have here is a picture of total economic and social devastation. It is the result of the Babylonian invasion. And as some people in our congregation know, this is what happens in the devastation of war. Now, sometimes people say, if you want to revolve an economy, go to war. Yes, if you're the, at the home base and you're just making bombs and weapons and stuff like that. But the actual battlefield, the place where the war is taking place, everything is in disarray. You see the pictures of the bombed out buildings and, and, and people just looking for a, for a morsel of food. And here's the thing. It's not that everybody in Israel, in southern Israel, was unfaithful. The north had already been taken over over 100 years earlier because of their unfaithfulness. There were righteous people in Judea. There were righteous people in Jerusalem. Yet they were not spared the judgment that came to the nation. In fact, it's going to get worse than Habakkuk even knows because God judges nations, and sometimes there are righteous people that are going to be caught up in that judgment. And here's one thing we have to realize, that, that faith, okay, does not guarantee that life will be easy. Today, if you have no money, or, or your health is poor, that, that does not mean that you lack faith. You may, you may lack faith, but that doesn't necessarily mean you lack faith. And I think to tell people who are struggling financially and have bad health 
that they don't have enough faith is one of the most sinful, godly, godless things anybody could ever do. And when people do that, they need to stop because that is just wrong and sad that they say right now that somewhere between 30 and 40% of people who say they're Christians in America have bought into that lie. That is a complete lie. Do you see that here? Do you see that in the life of Jesus and the apostles? They all got killed except for one. And all the great martyrs of the faith. See, despite the teachings of today, which I understand fill the seats, people go, could that many people be wrong? Yes, they could. Faith does not guarantee comfort. When you see Jesus on the cross, does that look comfortable? When the apostles are being killed for their faith and martyred for their faith, does that seem comfortable? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus is out in the desert and he's hungry. And Satan comes along to him and says, hey, hey, you think you're the son of God, huh? Well, if you think you're the son of God, take those stones and turn them into bread. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, but he answered and said, it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy 8, 3 from Moses, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Philippians chapter 3, the, the whole letter really you could study is a picture of this, that, that sometimes difficulty faith, you know, there's difficulty in faith sometimes. The apostle Paul is in jail. He says this, Philippians 3, 7 and 8, he says, but what things were gained to me, he had a good career and he lost it, good in terms of finances and security and all that kind of stuff. These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of knowing, of the, for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Actually, it's the word dung. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Then in chapter four, he goes on to say this. He says, listen, in my life, I had times of plenty. I had times where I had a lot of stuff. And he said, I had other times when I was in deep need. But he says this, I have learned the secret of being content. How do you, how do you learn the secret of being content? Well, I can give you one idea on that. You make a mental decision that you are not going to let the circumstances of your life determine your contentment. You're going to fight that off. It's not easy. But you're not going to let the circumstances of your life determine your contentment. And then right after that, he says, Philippians 4.13, that famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, difficulty did not change his mindset. Difficulty did not define who the Apostle Paul was. And that includes, for you and for me, the difficulty that our faith may experience. Now we come to number three, the joy faith can experience. I took the word may out and I put the word can because I want us to really be aggressive here. This is an, this is an aggressive way of thinking. Verse 18 he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Remember what he just said in the last verse. No food. 
There's no animals in the stalls. There's nothing. It's devastation. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, not in the fact that everything is going south, in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, this verse says, yet I will triumph in Yahweh, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So what does he say? Chapter one, things are not going right. He's questioning God. What's going on? Now he knows what God's plan is, way worse than what was going on in chapter one. So, but what does he say? Okay, all this bad stuff can happen, yet I will. Yet I will rejoice. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Something is very different now. You know, there's some really hard parts about being a pastor. It's like you you live in this constant up-down kind of world because you know what's going on with a lot of people and you're trying to navigate life yourself. And I do know this, that, that many of you are living in verse 17. Though, you live in the world of though. Though you just recently lost a loved one. Though you're, maybe your marriage went south and, and you lost your spouse and you barely ever get to see your kids though you maybe lost your job, though you have no money, I mean, you don't even know how you're gonna, you know, pay the bills next month, though maybe your health is just absolutely awful, though you look ahead to the future and like Habakkuk and you see no sunshine, all you see is darkness, Though, and if you're a parent and you're so burdened for your children, it's just, it's just, it's on your, it's on your chest like a cinder block every time you lay down and, and try to go to sleep. Maybe today the Lord says to you, you need this day, you need a yet I will day. You need to look those things in the eye and say, yes, they're real, they're real, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, yet I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 6.10, he said, I'm sorrowful, man, yet I'm always rejoicing. In Philippians 4, 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You're like, what is it with these guys? This is what it is, loved ones. It's a chosen joy. Did you hear that? It's a chosen joy in God. It is not a circumstantial joy. It doesn't mean you ignore the circumstances. You just put them over here for a bit and you say, Lord, I'm just gonna find for this moment, for this time, I'm just gonna find my joy in you. And Habakkuk basically says, listen, though the enemy can take everything away from me, there's something, there's one thing that the, that the enemy can never take from me. And that is what? The Lord, my God. You, you, you thought I was going to say joy, didn't you? But it seems like things can take our joy. But Habakkuk says, listen, you can take it all, man. You can take it all, but you can never take God from me. Despite the worst possible living conditions, 
despite the, 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 the threat of life, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Once again, it's a chosen joy. No matter what is coming at him, Habakkuk resolves to be faithful to the Lord. He says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will rest. I will find joy in the fact that I am going to spend eternity with God. Many of you have met me at the door after church and know that I got these, this whacked out neurological condition. And they're like, I'm so sorry what happened to you, Pastor Jim. And I don't mean to be smart alecky when I say it, but this is always my answer. It's okay, I'm going to heaven. Because I'm looking at the end in sight. I know God is healing me. I, my timing, hey, how about now, God? That would be cool. His timing, different. But I believe that he has the best in mind for me. My dear friends, this idea of a chosen joy is a discipline to be learned. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content. God had to teach me how to be content by rejoicing, by rejoicing, by rejoicing, by, by submitting myself to that discipline. In other words, it's going to require grace-motivated effort. And if you and I don't, in the those of life, if we let the those of life overcome the rejoicing in God, we will drown under the waves of despair and we will walk away from God. This here is a man who has made the determination that although I might lose everything, I will not lose my God. And that, for him, is something to be joyful for, about. And when it comes under attack, he will fight he will fight, he will fight to retain that joy. Now, remember, we said some of the people in the land were righteous, and the land is being attacked. Habakkuk is one of them. He's a righteous man, and he has every reason. God has shown him the future. The other people are wondering what's going to happen. God has shown him the future, and he's probably going to think like, oh, my gosh, this is worse than we ever thought it could be. It's worse. So he has every reason not to rejoice except one. And that is the fact that God is the source of his hope. That God is the source of his joy and no one can ever take God from him. So he's making a firm commitment. And this is a commitment I want all of us to make today that our faith is gonna be a survivor no matter what happens, not a victim. We're not gonna let our faith die out we're not going to view everything in life through the lens of our circumstances, but we're going to view everything in our lives through the lens of God, and we're going to determine, like Habakkuk, we are going to live by our faith. We are not going to live by every wind and wave that comes our way to get us off track. Now, how we get there, loved ones, also explains why so many people fall away from the faith. What we like, why do these people keep falling away from the faith? Here's the key. Habakkuk loves God himself more than the blessings of life. God himself, Habakkuk loves God himself more than the blessings of God. He loves God himself more than the fact that his, everything is gonna go great for him or he's gonna be happy all the time. Regardless of the circumstances, even in the midst of the coming judgment on the land, 
Habakkuk still sees the Lord as his loving savior. And despite the hard times, Habakkuk was able to triumph over them because of the knowledge of God and the love of his savior. It was that joy in the Lord. It was that joy in his savior king that Habakkuk was motivated by grace to face the future and to endure the pain. And friend, you and I can do that too. We can. We really can. The Apostle Paul would write these words 650 years later, Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Answer, no one. No one. Nothing. Nothing. Shall tribulation, he continues, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Answer, no. No, those things, no matter how bad it gets, cannot separate us from the love of Christ if we've put our trust in him. Same chapter, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How are we more than conquerors when everything is falling apart at the seams? Through him who loved us. Let me ask you a question. Is that our attitude? Well, how are you doing with all this stuff that's going on? Well, you know, okay. Does that sound like more than a conqueror? That sounds like someone who what? Who's just trying to be, you know, they're like a victim. We're not victims. We're, not, we're, not, we're even more than survivors. We are more than conquerors. See, the Apostle Paul is not saying that times will never be tough. What is he saying? He's saying that, that Christ loves you. That God is always with you. And therefore, because of those two things, and the fact that he can't be taken from you, that joy is possible. Let's, let's import it into today. Man, our nation is in big time trouble. It is in big time trouble. And it may get worse. It's probably going to get worse. May we all say in the midst of all the trouble, yes, yes, though, 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 yet I will. Yet I will, no matter what goes on, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will joy in the God of my salvation. This is how the prophet, this is how Habakkuk, this is how you and I move from complaining to contentment. This is how it's done. He has moved from complaining in chapter one to being fully content in chapter three, and things are getting worse. They're not getting better. This is, a, this is what happens when a follower of Jesus sees our Savior on the cross and it helps us to trust him more. One old Bible commentator put it this way, joy comes when we love God's presence more than we love his presence. <laughs> Meaning it, real true joy comes when we, lo we love God being with us then we enjoy more than anything he could ever give us here on earth. Loved ones, vibrant faith is possible when we rejoice in the good news of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the bad news in the United States of America. When we rejoice in the good news of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of the bad news of our world, when we rejoice in the good news of Jesus Christ, 
even in the midst of the bad news in our own lives. Vibrant faith is possible because of these simple words. Verse 16, he said, when I heard. You see, when he says, when I heard, when we say, let's open the word of God, what are we saying? God is with us and God is going to speak to us. Habakkuk is really just coming to the place in time that the Apostle Paul would write about 650 years later, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some versions say hearing the word of Christ or hearing the message about Christ. And verse 19 ends the book. The Lord God, another version says the sovereign Lord, the Lord who's in control of everything is my strength. I'm not my strength. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. Interesting thing about, we got a lot of deer living up here. Man, their feet are so light. I mean, and they can jump like like there's no tomorrow. And yet you watch them walk over rocks and hills and stuff like that. And their feet, although they're light, they're so sure-footed. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on high hills. And then he ends it with this odd expression. We picked it up in verse one. We said this is a psalm or a song. To the chief musician with my stringed instruments. Habakkuk's final words express his faith. Yahweh is my strength. What is he saying? He is gonna carry me through this life. He bears my burdens. Really, what what did Habakkuk do in chapter one? He dumped the bus of his burdens on God. And God didn't go, you know, I'm really getting tired of your complaining. He didn't say that at all. God said, I'm gonna show you. But he's brought him full circle to the place and time where he says, the Lord is my strength. And and not only that, when he says that that he, 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 will, he will make me walk on the, high, on the high hills like a sure-footed deer. When we trust the Lord, we can rise above the troubles of this world. That does not mean the path up to the heights will be easy. But the Lord is our strength. He is with us. And let them take everything from us. But nobody can take him from us. Interesting, the high hills or in the scriptures or the high places were the home of the false gods. And God sent Jesus to defeat the false gods of this world for you and to give you and me victory. There are many false gods in this world. Whatever people love more than God, whatever is their God, they love more than God. And we call them God's substitutes. So the son of God... Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place for your sins and he died on a hill. If you will, Jesus took the hill for you. You know, that day, it looked anything but, like anything but a victory. On that day, it looked like an incredible victory for evil. But understand this, Jesus defeated death by dying and then rising from the dead, and now offers eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and life in heaven with God to be adopted by God as a son or daughter of God. And all you need to do 
is to be willing to turn from your sin, turn from your own self-directed life, turn to God. See Jesus dying on the cross in your place for your sins and putting your trust in him instead of yourself. What God does in that moment is he, he takes your sin and he, and he puts it upon Jesus and he takes Jesus' perfect righteousness and he places it upon you and he credits you with having lived a perfect life. That's what it means to become a Christian. What happens if you do that? Oh, there's going to be a lot of changes that come about in your life. I found them to be the most welcome changes I could ever imagine in my life. But if you do that, if you trust in Jesus today, or if you have trusted in Jesus, this is what you're able to say. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's my King. He's my strength. And no one, I don't care who they are, will ever be able to take him from me. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.